All right. Let's pray. Nice to see everybody. Look at all these beautiful faces. Oh, we're grateful. We're thankful to join together and recognize the pure love that we are. We're grateful and thankful to allow ourselves to experience the fullness of love as each other. We're awakening from the dream of separation and we're bringing everyone with us. We're grateful to come together and join with that higher Holy Spirit self, the mighty I am presence. We are welcoming divine insight and clarity. We are consciously shedding false beliefs and opening to revelations of truth. This is a time of healing. This is a time of clarification. This is a time of renewal. That's what we come together for. Everything is supported in love. And we share the benefits with every brother, every sister, every being, because we're united. In gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. 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 Yes. So, welcome, welcome to all the new folks. So glad to see you here. And... I'm excited for this journey with you. It truly is one of my all-time favorite things that we get to do is be in this expansion together. I would like you to know that really I'm always here for you. You can always reach out to me. And you have, by virtue of uh, WhatsApp, you should have my phone number in there. That's my cell phone number. And should you need to, you have an issue with a client or something that you feel concerned about, you can always reach out to me. Of course, you can reach out to Arba as well and other members of the team like Linda and Angela, but just to know that you can reach out to me. And this time is for people presenting issues that they're having uh, with clients with the teachings, uh, and even with their own lives and experience. So it can be anything from marketing to uh, counseling. Uh, it really can run the gamut. And we've been doing these calls since 2016, and I believe they're all in the podcast. So uh, have at it, listen to them, and because we... So we, we cover the same territory uh, uh, often, but uh, we also cover things, um, uh, you know, just a, a little bit here and there. So, you, you know, if you really listen to all those recordings, you'll get a lot. It's really a good library. All right. Who has a question? Amanda. On the uh, evaluation that we send to the clients, one of the questions is, uh, I don't know the exact wording, but I asked for what solutions were given. And I was just um, wanted to know about the word solutions. I thought part of what we, I mean, we weren't trying to solve anything. Yeah, that's an excellent question. So maybe there is a better word there. Um, but to me, uh, yes, we're not... We're not problem solvers in the traditional sense. 
However, we are helping them to solve their belief in a problem, for sure. So uh, the things that I, I'm hoping they would answer would be that you gave them another way to look at it. You helped them to see uh, the law of cause and effect operating in their life. Uh, you help them to see how they were projecting, things like that. And from a client's perspective, it would seem like a solution to a problem. But I am totally open to any suggestions or rewarding of any of the, anything we've got. I'm always interested. You know, some people aren't that interested. They want to reopen things, but I'm, I'm, I'm forever interested in let's, let's see what we can do to improve things because, uh, working together, we can discover so much more. That's why I love the group effort. So that was great. Thank you for that. Yeah. Who else has a question? It could even just be a concern, but not a question, like something that's bothering you, but you don't really have a specific question, something you're wondering about, something that you have experienced. Linda. So I have this person in my life that it seems that each time I... um, meet with her, come in contact with her. She's always feeling the need to be talked down from a ledge. Like she's always in that fight or flight mode. Um, And I'm doing my best to stay compassionate and patient. But I'm just wondering if anybody else if, if you or anybody else has any suggestions on how to do that. So far, I feel like I've been suc- successful in remaining in my loving heart, but there are times when I can feel myself screaming on the inside to just shut up. <laughs> you know, like the words that you're saying are creating your reality. Stop. And it doesn't seem to want to get through yeah I can uh, I can definitely remember feeling that in early days of counseling you know the first eight years let's say feeling like shut up shut up shut up stop 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 you know um And I, but I don't feel that way anymore. So on one hand, Linda, it's, it's an awesome question. On one hand, you're being trained to be at peace no matter what. Mm-hmm. Right? To be at peace no matter what. And because that was definitely a journey for me that took years for me to not be either uh, going into the sympathy, empathy place with my clients 
and stay, which is, you know, it's all judgment, right? That that's what brings us into that place is our judgments, our opinions, our perceptions, and our projections. And then there's the aspect of it that having an aversion to it, you know, which I definitely went through again. This took me many years. So if it takes you years, don't be like, oh, God, I'm such a slow learner. I mean, I, I say all the time I'm a slow learner. And, and I, I would say that sometimes it's true, sometimes it's not true. You know, sometimes there are certain things that people have a facility for and they just, they, you know, it could be anything. It could be how to bake cakes. It, you know, it could be anything. And then other things, it feels like we're like, boo, 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 boo. You know, we have no idea what we're doing. Which hand is right? Which one's left? I'm not sure anymore. Um, and so we all have that stuff, right? We all have that stuff. And we're cultivating our emotional intelligence, our ability to really uh, perceive what is actually going on. And the number one tool we have is our connection with our holiness, because that's the only way we're going to perceive correctly and helpfully. So if we're trying to analyze it, we, we need to shut that down and just stop it and just say, oh, look, I notice I'm falling back into ego patterns of analyzing. Let me just be still. Let me just be still, you know, be still and know I am God and really rest in that stillness of we are not we don't have to figure anything out. We're not healing anyone. Spirit is working through us and as us. And we can let our personality step aside so our holiness can preside. So, um, so we should write that one down. That was a good one. Um, we'll put that in a text message. Somebody, <laughs> Linda, will you send that to me? <laughs> yeah, whatever. I'll look at the transcript. Yeah. 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 So um, I always know it's really coming from uh, the company of heaven if, I, if it rhymes. I always feel that way. But anyway, um so it's, to me, in our journey, it's normal and natural to have that aversion experience, to have the judgment experience, to have this sympathy, empathy, I want to help them, oh, God, they're ruining their life with their thinking, you know, all these different things that we go through. So this is our training. This is our training. That's why it's 111 sessions in the requirement, because then you can feel more relaxed about learning while you're working with someone, you know, and, and not feel like, oh, you're charging them the big bucks, but you have no idea what you're doing. So, um, yeah, right? It's just the reality of the situation. So be still and know I am God is the thing that's going to help you the most which will help them the most, of course. And there is no question that some people have, we could call it an addiction, compulsion, to be an upset. Uh, most of us can notice that in our spiritual journey, that when we began, we had a certain emotional mood, we could say, 
that was prevalent in our lives. Some people it's anxiety, some people it's depression, some people it's terror, some people it's um, paranoia, some people it's sadness, some people it's uh, anger, like mine was anger. I was angry most of the time, which is why I value the peace I have so much now. And I still get irritated and frustrated, but like for me, sadness was just not, I mean, I had periods where I felt very, very sad, but it, it just wasn't pervasive. But think about it. Think each one of you, what would you say was that predominant emotion that just you were in it so often? It was so familiar to you, right? Just put it in the chat, whatever it is or was. Just put it in the chat. What was your go-to experience of your emotional life? So anger, victim, fear, depression, anger, anger. See, like attracts like. Anger and fear. Anger, sadness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Amanda, that makes sense. She says she was always changing, kind of like an emotional chameleon, just matching the mood of whatever's going on. Sadness. All right. So you can see. So just noticing that about yourself, that, that's going to be the truth of your clients unless they've, they've worked past that. They've worked past that. And still, I would say today, after doing this for a long time, I, 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 I mean, I can't remember the last time I felt sad. I mean, I'd have to search the memory banks to try to remember the last time I felt sad. Um, so it's just, it's not a thing for me, right? And, and sadness is, is a, is a view. Right, it's a world view. It's it's not natural to feel sad. It's normal for ego identified people, but it's not natural. Sadness comes from thinking that things should be different, you know, and feeling that something is missed. Something is like, what is the essence of sadness? For those of you who picked sadness, who? What could you say the essence of it is if you're going to distill it into just a like a, a phrase or a sentence, Sean? It's disappointment. Not it was more so in the past than in the present, but it's not getting my expectations met and things like that. Yeah, and so then if you look under that, there's something about I'm not loved, probably. You know, it's all going to go, always go back to, I'm not good enough, something's wrong. Yeah, that was what I was going to write, was feeling unloved. So. Yeah, right? So we've all got that same fundamental you know, version of our interpretation of separation. Not good enough, something's wrong with me, I'm bad, not lovable, unworthy. It's, it's you know, it's, but it's all the same. So, you know, for me, as you all know, something's wrong with me. Because something's wrong with me, I'm unlovable. Because something's wrong with me, I'm not good enough. Because something's wrong with me, I'm bad. You know, it's all the same. 
It's all 100% the same. It's so important to realize this is the core issue everybody has. It's always going to come back to that, no matter what. So that makes it easy, in a sense, right? It makes it easy. Just know that's always what it is. That's always what it is. Um, <clears throat> so working with someone who is frequently going into hysteria, frequently going into um, extreme paranoia or fear, They're, they're coming to you from this ministry. Yeah. So there's someone who is studying spiritual principle. So one thing you can help them to do, and you can do this with any client with anything, is to help them to see what is, it's, I mean, this is core to what we're doing. It's about what is the fundamental belief that they have it's out picturing as this. Are they willing to work on that fundamental belief instead of trying to change the way the heat system works so that they don't get a sinus infection anymore? Do you see what I'm saying? You know, to, to you know, uh, instead of trying to fix it in the realm of the world, really, really, really honing in that that is not going to work. You have proven that. Can we both agree on that? that these methods are not ever going to work for you. And so you're coming to me for a new approach. Are you actually willing to work on a new approach or are you really just seeking comforting? Because if you're just seeking comforting, let's work at that level. Because some people are just seeking comforting, right? How many times have we ourselves gone to someone who we, we, you know, told them what was bothering us, you know, with tears running down our face and we're so upset and the person says, okay, here's what you need to do, right? And you're like, F you, man, F you, I'm not there yet, right? I am not there yet. Don't fix me, I'm not broken. So it's it's needing to understand what is the client coming to you for? Are they coming because they would like to heal the root cause or are they coming to feel heard, to get comforting, to get emotional support? Now, I have had times in my life, you know, I don't think I said it. I didn't say it in this last intensive. I usually do. But um, I had a client once who had a sad story, right? Their little victim story. And um, when they first started working with me, they were very depressed. I could hear their footsteps coming up the stairs, and it was like, um, what was that cartoon dog that was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like that. They're coming up the stairs like, oh. And this was like, this person could have been a model. They were super fit and beautiful. Uh, 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 uh. 
Like the, the only person in the world that ever came up my stairs that way, you know. And um, after we were working together for, I don't know, a year on a very regular basis, they started to tell me that sad story again, you know, and like, that's the reason. And they wanted to go through the whole story again. And I, I said, honey, I love you. And because I love you and because I am absolutely committed to you living a great life that you love and you wake up excited to live, I am not going to let you tell that story to me again. I just can't. I know it inside and out. You you know that I know it inside and out. We've examined every part of it. It's time to move past it. And part of that is not telling it anymore, especially to people who know it backwards and forwards. You know, so, and my client got very upset, very upset and angry and said, you don't love me. You, you know, well, I don't even remember exactly what they said, but they got very angry and they stormed out. Said, I am never coming back here again. And I just made it really clear. I was not upset. I was just like, you just have to remember, as I like that, they're going out the door. I do love you. I'm so committed to loving you. I will not let you hurt yourself in front of me. And, um, you know, it, it took a few months. And then they they reached out to me and said, I realized you really do love me. You were willing to to, to tell me the truth. And so I was like, yeah, I knew you would figure that out. And so I wasn't worried. And, you know, if you'd like to continue, that's fine. If not, it's fine. I just love you. It's all good. And so that's one thing that we can offer as spiritual counselors that many times friends and family cannot offer is that the, you could call it the tough love. But, you, you know, again, as with everything in our counseling experiences you cannot come at it from your intellect you you have to come at it from spirit glory because if you make that decision from your intellect oh maybe this would be the time you're thinking it if but because there's a difference when spirit gives you an idea and you are looking searching the data banks for what to do there's a difference Lori. Yeah, that feels helpful and also i just um would add that I have been like asking the question uh, of myself in my meditations and contemplations and also in my journaling. And I did get that, that one of the things that I do to myself too, when my own fears come up Ah. is in my head, I'm going, shut up, shut up, shut up. (laughs) So I'm interested in not doing that anymore. So I'm looking at my own fears. So I'm grateful for my, client for that but thank you for um yeah i'm feeling that tough love will be helpful for her thank you you know what i get for you linda is to do the and this could be good for your client as well is to do the hugh lynn inner child meditation and then the at the end there's the breathing exercise right and so just and just doing that breathing exercise it's four minutes so for yourself, for your client to do that once or twice a day, really worthwhile. Yeah. 
And and let's see here just one minute before Lori. Um, sometimes people who were not listened to as children, people who were ignored as children, discounted as children, you know, basically taught you're stupid, you're inferior, you don't matter, we don't want to hear from you. Uh, and a lot of people have been taught that as children. People who are taught that as children, and you can think of the people you know uh, for whom that's true, um, they sometimes as adults, they're they're very quiet and shut down. But sometimes as adults, they talk and talk and talk and talk. Because if someone's going to listen to them, it's like, hallelujah, I matter, you know. And so they can over talk. And um, but I find that if you really listen, it calms down. It may take years, but it does calm down. And I feel like that's a service that we can offer to people is to help that inflamed part that feels so unworthy to feel completely worthy. And to me, that is actually one of my favorite things to be able to offer to people is the a kind of unlimited listening compassion. You know, and I know that in classes, sometimes people are like, ah, Jennifer, why are you listening to them? Stop, stop, stop. I can't take it anymore. I know that. I can feel it. But it's like, I don't know. I think there's really something valid to teach people to, if you can listen to this person for talk endlessly for 15 minutes in a repetitive circular way that seems pointless, you will get to the point of it which is they will probably say something, if you're really listening from your heart and not just tolerating them, they will go, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I, I, they will feel the love. Because most people are going to say, I get it, I get it. You don't have to shut up. Da, da, da. You know, they're used to that. And, they're, and for some people, they might be testing. You know, will you shut me down? Am I too much for you? Are you going to affirm my worldview that there's something bad about me and I'm unlovable? And I, I, I am absolutely deeply committed to being with everybody in a, you are 100% lovable mode, 100%. Your personality might not be that lovable, but you are. Yeah. And your personality is um, is not what you are. So, yeah. Really great question, Linda. Lori. I was also going to add, um, I, I've noticed, and I know, Linda, you to be a very empathic person, so you can feel it in your body when you're around people. And what I've started to notice with my clients is that if my heart starts racing when they're in that state or 
if I start like clenching my teeth, like shut up, shut up, shut up. If I notice a visceral and a body reaction, I just go to this space of going, listen, just listen, just listen. All you have to do. And that seems to help me kind of recenter and, um, and sometimes I have to do it multiple times during a session. It, it does get me to that point of knowing that if I'm going to say to them, like, okay, I'm going to stop you here. I know it's guided by spirit, not by my intellect. So I actually use my, my empathic sense now to help me realize when I've kind of gone to that space and when I'm trying to figure it out. I don't know if that was helpful. Thank you. Yeah. Arva. Thank you, Lori and Linda. I was just going to say part of this reminded me of how I had to learn to be with my daughter um, because I am going into like, this is how you fix it mode. And I learned to just ask, like, what's needed here? Like, <laughs> what are you looking for, honey? And a lot of times it was just, I want someone to commiserate with me. Like, yeah, the teachers suck. And like, this is a problem. And then we can let that be. She can feel comforted, feel like she's being heard and expressing things other than, rather than shutting down and keeping it in. And then it festers and it comes out some other way, like, in a very inopportune moment <laughs> and way. So we really, I really learned that with my daughter to not immediately. And I just remembered how that feels, particularly from males in my life when you say, look, all I need right now. So I also learned to say that first and foremost, this is what I'd like before I tell my story. So they also know, and people really appreciate that as well. Um, yeah, I wanted to, if if there's any more on this topic, but I, I wanted to bring up something else. Yeah, go ahead, go for it, Arva. Okay. Um, so one of the things that we've talked about, Jennifer, is how important it is that the as a spiritual counselor, you're also receiving counseling. And I find that, you know, some of our counselors are not doing that. And you can tell the counselors who are not. Um, and so I, we have a lot of new people. So I want to encourage everyone here to have regular counseling sessions. But some of the things that I've heard from some people who are not having regular counseling sessions is they don't um, necessarily feel connected to other counselors like they've tried other counselors and they haven't really felt connected or um, you know they just really aren't seeing how that is helpful to them and I just wanted to you know put a plug in that I've just finished a series of three with Amanda and it was so extremely helpful um, even just simply hearing yourself say things that you might not allow yourself to 
being poor come to the surface. And it was in, it's incredibly healing. So I wanted to open up that conversation about our counselors having regular counseling sessions. Thanks. That's beautiful. Yes, thank you for that, Arba. And to that point, um, so everybody in the certification program gets three sessions with me, three one-hour sessions with me. The purpose of that is so that you have an example of counseling. You have an example of counseling uh, and that with, with a professional. I can also recommend to you um, my spiritual counselor, um, and uh, you could do sessions with her. And um, I can give you, so she is, she has spoken twice at Sundays with Spirit. Her name is Aisha, Aisha Mason. Her name does not look like it's pronounced Aisha, but it is. And uh, there's very few people who actually pronounce her name correctly. People even who've known her for years, they still call her Aisha, but it's Aisha. And, um, uh, let's see. I will give you her email. It's in Pacific time zones. Oops, wrong thing. Yeah. It's just 120 an hour. Something like that. And for me, if I go over the hour, you know, uh, I, I definitely pay extra. Because with Aisha, she's not going to hold you to that hour, but I always pay the extra. So just FYI, if you're looking. I think it's really worthwhile. When I was studying uh, to be a spiritual counselor, I went to many spiritual counselors. So I can um, give you some more people that you could do counseling with. Um, actually, you know what? Um sure if she would take a counseling client right now, but I bet she would. Um, uh, she's one of my uh, prayer partners for like 24 years. Um, and there is Liz Racy, but um, Liz is so busy. I don't know that she has time for counseling. But uh, Karen Russo, who has spoken at Sundays with Spirit, um, that's her email. She's the author of the book, The Money Keys. And uh, I've gone to her for counseling, even though she's a very dear friend. So I booked her for a session and paid her for it. Um, and um, she's she's a minister and a counselor. She, um, especially around money, that's her area of expertise, abundance and prosperity. Um 
but I can come up with a list of more if people are interested in experimenting. I, I think it's really worthwhile. Um, yeah. Going back to, uh, I want to go back to Linda's question, but before I do, I'm, I'm thinking of Kelly, who, uh, you know, this class began at 5 a.m. her time, and I'm thinking of um, Fonza, the class began for her, well, seven o'clock, not so late. But I'm thinking um, for our future classes, um, what if we did two o'clock, which would be Kelly's six and Fonza's eight? Because, uh, uh, were you gonna say something, Mary? Yeah, that was, Kelly put that it's 4 a.m. instead oh of 5. So. Okay. Gosh, I looked it up on my world clock. So you're not at the same time as Sydney. You're in Brisbane. Oh, my God. Yeah. So what about 3, three o'clock would be her 6 o'clock. That would be your 9 o'clock, 9 to 10, Fonza. And also for um, Katya. And who else is in Europe? Elena. Elena, yeah. So. Would this be a, a way then we wouldn't switch the time each month? Yes, exactly. Be the same time. Maybe 2.30. Be good in our winter time. Yeah. So maybe 2.30, that would be Kelly's 5.30. And it would be um, Fonza's 8.30. That, that feels more reasonable to me. I just don't want to make it hard for people. It's only one hour a month, but still. I got up and led a meditation. I had to be there at 4.50. The UK group asked me to lead meditation a few times a year. So I have to be there at 4.50. Anyway, full makeup, you know. So going back to, so we're going to set that. We're going to set that. So you will always have to leave it three, Sean. Is that what you're saying? Huh. Linda and I also, so. Um, oh, you do? Well, let's yeah. do two o'clock then. Can we do two o'clock? Two to three? Okay. Yeah. That'll help Kelly. All right. So somebody will let DJ know. So the next one is December 20th, 2 o'clock. All right. Beautiful. Allison, are you in that Brisbane time? I'm on Sydney time, so an hour yeah. ahead of Kelly. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Yeah. Um, going back to Linda, so it's what, what she asked about. One of the things that's really important to understand, I know I've said this many times, 
So I'll just keep saying it again. When it feels really hard to let go of the dysfunctional pattern of any kind, it's because our identity is wrapped up in it. It's part of who we think we are. Our worldview becomes part of who we think we are. We don't know who we are without that. We don't know how to respond to things. We'd be lost. We'd be lost without it. And we've invested so heavily in it. You know, it's like um, if you grow up thinking, well, if you grow up thinking that uh, you're completely unlovable and then somebody meets you and says, oh, my God, you're amazing. I love you and I adore you. Chances are you're going to reject them and because they don't match your worldview. It's, we just get so invested in our false identity. So one of the ways to help people disconnect from that intense attachment to that worldview, to that self-view, uh, is to simply help them to look for loving choices because love is what we are. The more we make loving choices, the more we come back to our true self. Always, always, always. Love is the healer. So making, finding, you know, getting them to have, it's like uh, if you've got a personal trainer, you're working out at the gym, you've got certain routines and things that you're doing and things that you're doing in between your sessions with your trainer. It's, it's that, it's a training, training yourself to look for loving opportunities, loving choices. That is going to change your worldview faster than any other thing you can do. Then the other thing is to get them to become the observer. So that they're not identified with the one who's thinking the thoughts, but they're observing the one who's thinking the thoughts. Get them to step back from identification with the ego. So think about where you've done that in your own life. You know, where you were identified with something some worldview, and you started to step back from it and realize, oh, you were the dreamer of that dream. You were the thinker of those thoughts. And because you believed it, you saw it projected onto the world. You changed your mind. So, Linda, can you think of a specific example where you shifted that perspective Pain is a wrong perspective. You shifted the perspective often enough that you transformed it. Yeah, I feel like um, I did this with a, a memory that I had of my father um, where it was when I was in my late teens and um, I was trying to lose weight for the umpteen millionth time. <clears throat> and so I was um, riding a stationary bike in my bedroom with my headphones on for like an hour or more at a time. And I came out of my bedroom and he said to me something like, 
you know, if you just wouldn't eat so much, you wouldn't have to do that. And I took it as a a criticism, but I realizing uh, in my later years, I don't feel like maybe he was trying to criticize me. I think he thought he was trying to help me and that he thought he was doing something loving by saying, you know, you don't really have to spend an hour or two a day riding an exercise bike. <laughs> you could just cut back on your eating a little bit more. Um, it would, you know, neither of those things was really helpful, but looking back on it, at least I can feel that it was not something that he was saying to me to be critical or mean that he really thought that it was something loving that he was saying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how did you get to that place of that realization? Hmm. I think I really just kind of stepped back and decided not to take it so personally. And, um, And just looked at, you know, everything that I, I knew about my father at that time. Um, this was after his midlife crisis, which thankfully his midlife crisis was to um, stop drinking and uh, dive into transcendental meditation <laughs> and going to see like the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi and stuff like that. So at that point in his life, he was more self-aware and um, he was not the um, victimized child of a violent alcoholic mode at that point in his life. So he wasn't, I don't feel that he was reacting from that space. I feel like he was reacting from a space that he thought he was being helpful, but, right. but he absolutely didn't understand <laughs> what I was doing so that's all yeah. right yeah yeah he was just stating a fact as he thought yeah that maybe you hadn't quite grokked yet yeah I, I I relate to that I think of you probably have all heard me tell the story of why I made my how to get over it workshop you know because I was walking in New York Central Park around the reservoir with my friend and probably complaining about my parents for the 50 millionth time. And he said, honey, you just have to get over it. So I shot and killed him. And then I had to get over that, which was really distressing. No, of course I didn't kill him, but I, I, I wanted to, I wanted to, I really did. I wanted to grab him like by the, neck and say don't you think if I knew how to get over it I would get over it right now you know telling somebody you know oh all you have to do is eat less oh right of course telling somebody all you have to do is quit smoking oh right all you have to do is find a new boyfriend oh right duh I, how could I overlook that you know all you have to do is you know, get a new job. Yeah, that's right. Why didn't I think of that? Because I'm a moron. Oh, you know, and um, yeah, like 
when people say you have to get over it, it's like, you know, cause of death. He said, you have to get over it. And, you know, the coroner would just be like, eh, there you go. Every time. Cause of death. And, you know, what jury could hold you and convict you? What did he say? How to get over it? Not the whole jury would go, oh, let him go. Let him go. It's intolerable. People should know better. Right? If we knew how to get over it, we would. We'd push that button. Yeah, I'm over it. Yay! So. And that's a big part of what we do with spiritual counseling is help people get over things. But, you know, it's really about moving past things. It's really about saying, okay, that happened. And uh, I'm going to discover what it means to me and why I keep holding on to it. And it's always going to be related to self-forgiveness. Always, always, always. That's the path of moving past it. Always. So to me, that's the other thing is to have the person do, like, do a major commitment to self-forgiveness. Because uh, people get into an agitated state and it becomes so much their norm, they just keep it going and keep it going and keep it going. And I used to do that. I used to look around my environment. What can I be offended by here? Oh, there's something. Got it. Okay. I'm offended now. Mother, Father, God. Oh, see? Look, there it is right there. Of course I'm annoyed. Of course. And look at what's happening. How can you not be annoyed by these things? And people say, calm down. Calm down. You're not even paying attention. If you saw what I saw, you would be upset too. And so I just have to write you off because you are not paying attention. Because if you were, you would be ballistic. You know? Yeah. That's where I used to live. So just always looking for something to be offended by. But I had to realize, you know what? I don't like being offended. This is not a good use of my energy. So that's another thing is to say, okay, if you weren't upset all the time, what would you do instead? What would you do with your energy and your time instead? And some people, and that's really part of the activation session, right? Is to help them see that. So that might be a thing is to see, even if, there's someone who has had an activation session a month ago or three months ago. Well, you know, I'm going to recommend that we do an activation session right now and activate you out of this pattern. Are you interested in that? And sometimes people will be like, yeah, I don't think that's it. I don't think that's it. You know, they're because what they want you to do is get into problem-solving mode with them, which validates their worldview that they have a problem. So helping, one of the ways to help is to get clear, where are they mentally? Are they... so committed to being a victim that they can't imagine any other way and they're just 
they're deeply entrenched in problem solving? Or have they had enough? One of the things I realized for me about my clients is when they came to me, most of them were on the edge of having had enough. On the edge. Not there, but on the edge. And so I would, often if they felt like they were stuck and it was immovable, I would say, if that were true, you would not be sitting with me. Because people are not interested in sitting with me who are not interested in getting out of that stuck state. They'd go sit with somebody else who would just go there, there the whole time. But that's not what I do. I, I help people to catapult to new levels of awareness. So you picked me. And there's a reason. And you might say, yeah, I don't want to do that now. And I can respect that. But chances are you do. That's why you picked me. Why would you pick me if you weren't ready to break through? Because I'm a breakthrough person. So you can look at, you know, what what is it you really would like to offer to your clients? And you can offer to your clients what you don't already have. And you will get it while your clients are getting it. And that was what happened for me. I was ready to have a breakthrough, but I was resistant. So I I got a lot of people who are just exactly like that for the first half dozen years. But then when I really moved to the other side of the breakthrough, then different kinds of clients started coming. Lori. I think one of the most helpful things you ever said about clients that has stuck with me, Jennifer, has been that... um, you basically wrote a spiritual contract, like a masterful living contract. You had an aspiration. You were aware of what your aspiration, your intention, and your goals were. And, you know, profound and everlasting change were the words I remember you using. And I've, I've carried that with me as far as what, how is it, what is my contract as a spiritual counselor? And that's really, really helpful. Beautiful, yeah. You know, I, I appreciate you bringing that up, Lori, because I tell the story sometimes back in the 90s. Well, I don't know, 96 or something, 97. Uh, I was at a service at Agape. Michael Beck was, was speaking, and he talked about, he had read an article uh, that interviewed people who had done extraordinary things really extraordinary, seemingly impossible things. And the thing that they all had in common was they said that had they known that they could actually accomplish the thing that they set out to do, they would have set the bar even higher. 
But when they set the bar, they didn't think they could actually accomplish it. So I, 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 that was so vital to me when he, uh, I heard that story. I was like, yes. So I am setting the bar super high. I'm setting the bar for world peace. That my life is bringing about world peace actively every day. That my life is a transformational vortex. You know, that my life inspires people to stop procrastinating, being lazy, laying on the couch, get get their ass off the lazy boy, go out of the house, find somebody and be loving with them in a transformational, inspirational way. That that is what I'm interested in. I'm interested in uh you know really it's it's uh the another thing Reverend Michael used to say that a good minister comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. You know, and I, I that's me, you know, that's one of the things that I feel I'm to do. Like if you get too comfortable it's like, whoa, are you just coasting now? Because I, I do have some spiritual teacher friends. I feel like they're coasting. And, um, you know, they, they may not be interested in what I have to say, but if they are, I'm like, dude, you're coasting. You're coasting. Look, it's okay. You make that choice. But why the fuck would you? You don't have to. You know, this is like unbelievable opportunity here. Good Lord, this is the time of the ultimate transformation in the history of all humanity. Why would you coast? You know, yeah, take a weekend to lay on the sofa and watch movies. Absolutely. You know? But not four years, not the rest of your life. But a lot of spiritual teachers, they get to a certain point where they've got a comfortable living and things are working for them and then they're in, they go into coasting mode. Their own personal growth is, you know, meh. So. All right. We are at time. I'm going over because I started late. Is anybody uh, burning to say or share anything? Uh, just that we'd love to keep. Happy birthday, but yesterday to you thank you happy birthday to elena today ah. and just please keep sue greenberg in your and her family in your prayers and thoughts her mother passed on saturday and she wanted to come today but has arrangements and family stuff yeah so, yeah yeah thank you, thank you. Thank you so much, Arva. I appreciate your leadership. Ah, and it's just wonderful to be with you all, see your beautiful faces. So let's take that breath of love and gratitude. We're grateful to be in a holy partnership with our own holiness, remembering our true identity, remembering that the only time that it takes to have a healing is the time that it takes to have a realization, and we're having one right now. We are grateful and thankful to bless Sue's family, bless her mother as she shuffles off the mortal coil, grateful for her life and her beingness. She gave it her best, 
and we're grateful to honor her. We're grateful to bless Sue and all who loved her mom, knowing that there's ease and grace, peace and harmony in all their activities now as they celebrate her mother's life. We know this for everyone who has had people making their transition over Thanksgiving weekend. It's a common thing. So we're blessing all, all families everywhere, opening our hearts, knowing that there's a perfection beyond our understanding, and we're relying upon that. We are grateful and thankful to call forth extraordinary healing and transformation for ourselves and for our clients, that it's easy, that it's effortless, that the law of cause and effect is written in our heart and we are awakening to it. All victimhood thoughts pass away, they fall away, they dissolve and resolve permanently back to the root cause. We're grateful to shine the light of the Christ and to recognize it in our brothers and sisters, sharing the benefits with all. We let it be, and so it is. Amen. 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 Much love. See you soon. Thank you, Jennifer. Love you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Love.